You're listening to The Brand Compass, conversations to navigate your way to building a brand fit for purpose and poised for success. Here's your host, Shelley Rosland. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the show where we dive into the juicy junction where your brand meets the humans you serve. In today's episode, I wanted to shine a light on the term subject matter expert. I've spoken to a lot of new people lately who listen to the show and also through some other consultancy work I've been doing. And it's occurred to me that there's a bit of a mystery term around the subject matter expert phrase. And the challenge, I guess, is without fully understanding who you are in the eyes of your ideal customer or your ideal client means that you're probably miscalculating your worth and your value. And we can't have that, can we? So this episode is for you. If Like me, you used to relate this term purely to the expert witnesses called to the stand in TV dramas like Suits or Law and Order or, oh my goodness, LA Law. Do you remember that with Harry Amlin? Hmm. Oh my gosh, (laughs) showing my age now. Here's a quick request. I would love you to please, please, please get in touch with me after listening to this episode. I seriously want to know what you think about the areas of responsibility I feel like subject matter experts have in how they gain, hold, and share their knowledge. I think that this might actually be the start of a manifesto, if you like, or something that's bubbling inside of me, like I feel like I need to put a flag in the ground, but I need you to help me pull it out, if that makes sense. Okay, so let's dig in and make this relevant for you in the context of your world. I want to start with saying up front, I've really been struggling with this term subject matter expert because to be honest, I I don't like it very much. It's a bit dry. And I also don't think that people automatically identify themselves in the phrase of subject matter expert. Maybe if I share my thoughts on why I think you may indeed qualify as one, perhaps you can find or we can find together a way to be comfortable with it and then hopefully free you up to move on to sharpen your mindset around it and how you actually translate that into your brand strategy and your marketing activity. Sound good? All right, let's get into it. If we peeled back everything and we looked at the black and white definition of the term, this is probably what you would find when you did a bit of a Google. A subject matter expert is a person who has accumulated great knowledge in a particular field or topic. And this level of knowledge is demonstrated by the person's training, qualifications, and or through their years of professional experience with a subject. I think, you know, that That pretty much nails it in terms of a broad generic definition, don't you think? I suppose the bit I'd like to add to this is by thinking of subject matter expert in the concept of the type of people that I work with is that they're essentially knowledge workers. They have a huge amount of value locked up in a huge, gorgeous brains. And also they are recognized by others to be an expert in their area. So they are not a self-professed expert. Michael Hyatt has a great little quote that he states in his free to focus book where he says, aptitude signals skill alone, while proficiency signals skill plus contribution. Basically, while you may have a technical skill, you also have another layer 
on top of their technical skill. And that's what I prefer to call with my clients is a proficiency ratio. So if you visualize now while you're listening, a convex curve on a piece of paper in front of you. So if you're not sure what convex is versus con, what's the other one? Concave. (laughs) Uh, Oh, maybe it's a concave. I think I've said it wrong. I don't know. But if you think of a mountain, a mountain curve, you know, the hills up at the top right? That's your baseline of your technical skill. Then pick a length of space above that curve and then draw another curve above it. Now, the space between those two curves is your proficiency ratio. And in fact, this is what you should be focusing on when you're working on your marketable value. I guess that covers a basic definition, but you may be thinking, oh, but Shelley, like, who exactly is this? Who could this be? You know, could it be me? Right. So I thought maybe I'll give you a little example and that might highlight a little bit more for you so that I can then give you some guardrails around trying to help shape the kind of subject and expert you may like to become in future. So let's get into an example. So let me introduce you to Ellie. So Ellie is a highly trained and qualified health and safety specialist working mainly in the constructive in, uh, construction industry. Ellie has the skills needed to carry out audits, risk assessments, as well as support her client in complying with regulations and the safety on site. That covers her technical skills. Now, Ellie has also been doing this work for more than 15 years. And she has worked with a wide variety of clients who have needed her advice during good times and bad. She's had to manage situations that have arisen where clients have ignored her advice. And she's had to crisis manage the recovery from that. She's had to work with PR teams to navigate how her client's reputation was managed through the, rep- through the crisis. She's also had to work with HR teams to manage rolling out safety guidelines and much more. So Ellie's clients really depend on her for her calm, rational temperament and the proactive way in which she deals with problems. Now this, my friend, is Ellie's proficiency, okay? So can you see the nuance there and the difference between just having someone with a technical skill versus another person that actually contributes to solving the problem constructively and professionally? That is where you need to focus all of your attention on in articulating for yourself, where do I contribute and where does my real value lie? Now, this is not just for health and safety consultants, right? You could relate this to many other service providers across any industry. It could be law, osteopathy, health and wellness, creatives, HR people, tax, education, pharmaceuticals. Just think of anyone who would actually provide consultancy, education, advice, guidance, or even niche coaching on a specific area. A subject matter expert is someone who is highly tuned to the area or subject they are experienced in and are deep treasure chests of knowledge, insight, and foresight. To be honest, even if you sold a physical product, as opposed to consultancy or training, I promise you, you will have a proficiency ratio as well. So this is still relevant for you. Is the concept starting to make a bit more sense now for you? I'm starting to feel a bit more comfortable about it now that I've talked this out with you. So do you see yourself somewhere in there in what I've been talking about to you today? 
If you are in employment and there are some people listening to the show that are in employment and you're thinking about what's possible for you outside the company you're working for right now, try and think about your work and experience in those two levels of technical skill and proficiency. Your transferable talents will be lying in a mix of your two curves in the outside world. So we've squared away a definition of subject matter expert that hopefully we're all a bit more comfortable with now. And we've walked through an example of what a subject matter expert could actually look like. Now, what I wanted to touch on a bit is this element of best practice, work ethic and responsibility. Yeah, my guardrails, if you like. And this is a bit that I need some of your input in. Today, I find that there is a a scary level of self-professed experts online. And I guess I wanted to broach this side to being a professional operating in the world we do today. So while I am a very big proponent of you identifying your value as a subject matter expert, what I'm also very keen on is that as subject matter experts, we all subscribe to a manifesto, if you like, to keep in our lanes, do great work, be mindful, and provide the right level of support for our clients to leave them in a better condition than which we found them. Let me break down what I mean here because it may sound a little highfalutin, okay? But I don't don't mean it to be that way at all. I'm speaking from being in the space of service for more than 15 years now, and I've seen new pop-up experts come and go. Over the years, I've really kept some values true to myself and also in how I evaluate the worthiness of others. And a lot of that is about how they conduct themselves and also how they treat other people, right? (laughs) Basic humans. What I have come to is this. There is a huge weight of responsibility in being a knowledge worker or a subject matter expert. And I'd love it if you listened to this next segment and checked in with where you fare in these three responsibility areas and get in touch with me, chat to me about them. Really, this is the bit that I would really love some input on. So the first area is gaining knowledge. A brilliant, compelling subject matter expert is respectful of the fact that there is a journey to becoming an expert. A considered and mindful knowledge gaining journey also means you naturally build in your insight and foresight expertise, which are essential to having perspective. Knowledge comes in layers over time, and you cannot be a true subject matter expert overnight. I do not care what your TikToker says, they cannot become an expert in something overnight. I still like Malcolm Gladwell's assertion that it takes 10,000 hours of intensive practice to achieve mastery. He talked more about this in terms of complex skills like computer programming or learning how to play the violin. However, I think that 10,000 hours or at least a minimum of 416 days is a good marker to shoot for. I know someone, you know, if they've put that time in, I know that someone is really serious and deep into their subject. So that's our first area of responsibility. So have a think about how you fare and how you gain your knowledge. The second area is holding that knowledge. Now, this is all about holding your knowledge in a safe and responsible way and keeping it up to date. I have always ensured that whatever I'm teaching or advising my clients to do, I'm also walking the walk 
and not just talking the talk. I'm still human, not perfect. I'm a work in progress still, but I work hard to align my walk with my talk. And I do the same as a parent. I can't reprimand my daughter for doing something or not doing something if I'm doing the opposite. So you as a subject matter expert need to believe in your subject area so much that everything about you is in sync with what you're advising others to do. At least that's my belief. I guess that this is a bit about being authentic without using that overstretched word. But there's also a bit about ensuring that as a subject matter expert, you are also always up to date with go- what's, what's going on at the coalface of what your clients are dealing with. And I've seen far too many self-professed experts or gurus going up on stage, talking about a topic they used to be an expert in probably eight years ago. But today, the ground has moved so much in their space that at least 50% of what they're saying on stage is out of date. Now, here's the danger. The audience doesn't always know this and will hang on their every word. Don't be that person. Keep one eye on the practical coalface issues that your clients are dealing with today in relation to the area of your expertise. So basically, be responsible with the knowledge you hold and make sure it's pure, it's right, and it's up to date. So that was number two. So let's move on to the last area, and that is sharing knowledge. So this is a big one, right? I see this absolutely ignored across the board, both in networking, at conferences, and even online. If you are a true subject matter expert, you will know the pain of this happening around you, right? When you hold a vast amount of knowledge and expertise in something, you will know in your heart that there are a few things you have to be mindful about, and that is pay attention to context. Take care to work out where in the journey the person who is sitting in front of you asking for help is, how you advise them may be highly dependent on context. Second thing, be aware of timing. On top of that context, there may be a specific sequence to how to advise someone and your bit in the process may only come later. So be authentic about explaining where you actually come in. Third element to think about is the degree of sharing. I have to watch this one for myself as well. So that's what I really have to watch on because I know as when I do know as much as what I do, I just want to share all of it, right? However, the person in front of me will completely explode if I did. So I need to pace the degree of information they need right now and then move them forwards from there. Be kind to their brains and want the best for them. Okay. The fourth and final thing to think about within sharing your knowledge, I feel like is this this balance between rational and emotional advice. So this just means be mindful of knee-jerk reactions to things. Try to aim for a more measured response to give the best advice or guidance. More often than not, taking a beat to actually think through the question and possible routes for the person in front of you will also make you a better subject matter expert. Wow. 
that was a packed episode, right? Hopefully I haven't completely squished you and it's helped you rather to get a bit more comfortable with identifying yourself as a subject matter expert and also perhaps giving you some background and perspective to shaping the kind of subject matter expert you want to be going forward. Perhaps you are already on board with much of what I've already had to say. And it's been nice to just really hear somebody else say out loud, oh, what's been playing at the back of your mind for ages. I'd love to know. Please get in contact with me. Has this conversation made a difference for you? Or maybe it spurred a train of thought that you hadn't had before. Just, you know, reach out. I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, I'm on LinkedIn. You got my email. It's all in the show notes. Seriously, I would love you to contact me and let you know what you think about having some kind of manifesto for subject matter experts that we could kind of subscribe to or kind of keep or hold ourselves to. I feel like if you did, you would have some values and principles to really bake in to your brand strategy and make you stand out. Thank you so much for gifting me with your time today. I really do see it as a gift and I realize that you could have quite easily have chosen something else to listen to. I really appreciate you. Who do you know that could gain from listening to the topic we've dug into today? Maybe you have a friend in business or a colleague that you'd like to flesh this out a little bit, get some guardrails between you put together, share this episode with them. I'll prep them and get them up to speed on the subject and then you can work together. All right, until next time, stay strong, believe you have value and make good brand decisions. Thank you for listening to The Brand Compass. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with your entrepreneurial friends and help them make good brand decisions. Until next time, let's keep the conversation going at ShellyRosland.com.